I'm in an especially good moods this minute. <laughs> because we've hired Nathan Minima. Check his stuff out. Newest member of the show. Funny. Smart. Knows his shit. We are lucky to have him. Next couple of weeks. <laughs> You're not going to believe what we're about to pull off. The phleb. Head so hard that your hat can't fit ya Either I'm with ya or against ya Format bench ya Back to that maze I sent ya Going, going Back, back to Cali, Cali Going, going Back, back to Cali, Cali, Cali Fan Levitardians This is a very, very special episode As you just heard We hired help I say hired very loosely because he's not getting paid, but we found help. So please, ladies and gentlemen, help give me the warmest of welcomes to the newest member of the Fan Levitard Show, Nathan Minima. Nathan, welcome. You good? I am good, and I am excited to jump on the fleb here at the Fan Levitard. I'm really glad you decided to spell out explicitly that the fleb is short for fan levitard because I'm not sure how many people were actually going to pick up on that in that uh, little intro that I put together. So thank you for the assist on that already coming in clutch. Um, Nathan, before we actually get into some show stuff, um, tell the people a little bit about yourself. Who who are you? Where do you hail from? Well, I'm I'm a man a white man over on the West coast, uh, in California, in LA area. And I've been a Levitard fan for around about like eight years, listening to him every day for about five. Um, and I just, I mean, I love sports. Um, I love having conversations and I love, uh, funny stuff and I'm excited to see what we're going to be doing. I think it is really admirable that you heard this call of mine out into out into my listenership a couple episodes ago. The call. The call. <laughs> Just basically pleading for help. Someone send me send me an angel and down from the heavens descended Nathan who decided to actually reach out and offer up his uh his help here. So Nathan, with that being said, how does it feel? to have joined the podcasting ranks we are another podcast of a couple of white dudes cutting it up just what the world needs i mean like chris cody tweeted recently you know we could change the name to unoriginal with us just being you know another podcast but i think we're gonna cut into the podcast ranks and we will climb and rise high i am again excited for what we're uh, going to be uh, doing, and I think fan libertarians are going to enjoy uh, these next couple weeks. Nathan, I don't know how well-versed you are in show history, but there was a time, a brief moment in time, I have this screenshot somewhere, where in the Apple Podcast sports charts in the United States, this very podcast was charting above... Uh, Mike Greenberg's show, Greeny, the podcast for it. So this show, it has the potential for greatness. Now, how much of that? 
was people looking for the Dan Lebitard show and finding us shortly after he announced he was leaving ESPN irrelevant. How much of that Completely was from irrelevant. his fault? Doesn't matter. Not a shit is given because everyone listening is here now. And that's what matters, damn it. These are the real rider dies. These people are fan Lebitardians and they get the show that gets the show. And we appreciate you. And I can say we now because there's two of us, and God, it feels weird, but man, I'm happy. Um, so Nathan, uh, because we can actually banter now, I have someone to banter with, let's banter. Um, there are sports happening right now. The day we are recording this, this is on Thursday evening, the first, I guess, real week of college football has really kicked off. Um, the U.S. men's national team is playing their first World Cup qualifier tonight here in a couple hours. So where do you want to start? Let's get real sportsy with it. Oh, I mean, I've got my eye on Coastal Carolina, number 22, possible dark horse to make it into that expanded college football playoff. Sneak in maybe before the SEC decides to just take everything over and consume all of college football. They're up 28 to nothing on the Citadel, you know, classic uh, cupcake week one <laughs> opponent there. Um, so I've got my eye on that, but uh, excited, of course, obviously as Levitard fans, I'll probably tune in and watch the Bama Miami game. That's also, you know, the biggest, uh, probably the best game of the weekend that we've got going on, unless you're Indiana, Iowa, but really those teams are probably going to fall by the wayside late in the season as they tend to do. So Nathan, you're out in California and correct me if I'm wrong, but you guys do not have sports gambling out there, correct? No, un right. Unfortunately, as far as I know, I downloaded the uh, DraftKings app and was uh, tempted to ply my darker vices, but Unless I'm not technologically savvy enough, I can only partake in the free uh, betting thing. So for now, I am no entertainment purposes for me yet. So I guess that's going to be an interesting thing then, because for about the past year, I guess since February, not even the past year, since about February, I have been living in the world here in Virginia of knowing legalized sports betting. And let me tell you. It changes the way you watch sports. It changes the way you interact with sports. It used to be a very funny bit for me to listen to like Mike and Chris and Stu in all their degeneracy talking about their bookies and the bets that they would place on, uh, you know, fucking horse racing over in Australia, stuff like that. And then I had access to that. And all of a sudden, your boy is chasing at 2 a.m. on Japanese soccer. And let me tell you, what a rush. So I am really, really excited for a full season of college football betting. And I've got, I think I might have a hot tip. I might have a hot tip for folks. Let's hear this uh, hot tip. There has been a team that I feel like I've been on before anyone else. There's going to be a lot of people coming out of the woodwork claiming that, oh, yeah, no, this this is not really a Dark Horse team. No, 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 no. Let me tell y'all. I have been fucking with this team back when NCAA football games were still being made. I knew that this was a program on the rise, and all, they have, done, and all they have done since then 
is just keep ascending. They are dominating the fun belt. I'm talking about the Louisiana Raging Cajuns. Let me tell you something about this program. They, I think, will beat Texas. Ooh, not even I think they're going to beat Texas straight up. Not, Not talking spread. I'm talking money line. ULL. And you're talking about Coastal Carolina as the one team that could maybe shake things up in the, uh, from the, I guess, not the P5, the G5. L- listen, the Raging Cajuns are going to make some noise and they are going to all right, all right, all out. right, all right, all right, all right, as Matthew McConaughey would say. But I don't think he wants that to happen. No, he doesn't want that smoke. And, and I got to be honest, I, w- I would venture to guess that there are. Well, just just sticking in the ACC because because you had mentioned Miami and obviously Lebetard Show has the big Miami connection. I am a Virginia Tech fan, so when they're taking a dump on the ACC and specifically the ACC Coastal, I I that resonates so deeply with me because I see that shit every single year. And let me tell you, if Louisiana Lafayette were in the ACC Coastal, they would win the Coastal. They would win it <laughs> hands down. Now the UNC people out there. Charlie Hume, he is fuming right now. Call him Charlie Fume. He's not happy with me. Uh, Mike Ryan probably wouldn't be happy with me. All the Canes haters, or the Canes fans, Caniacs, I guess. Um, Golden Canes, gotta look at Yeah, the Golden Canes, yeah. They might disagree, but I'm telling you, this team is going to be in the top 10 at some point this year. Take that to the bank. No one hold me to that, but... I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, I feel real good about that. And I'm not the type of person that uh, generally goes out super strong on a sports ledge. So, Nathan. And you're out there right now. You're you're out there on that ledge. It's it's dangerous, you know. Do you, Are you sure you don't want to couch it with anything? They'll make it, if they beat Texas, they'll make it into the top 10? Or you're just, you're diving in. You're jumping off the ledge into the party pool that is the raging cajuns okay i will i will i will hedge my bets only with this i don't know what the state of the louisiana raging cajuns is following the hurricane if that has displaced them if that has interrupted their game prep for texas i'm not going to blame them it's not going to count as a loss in my personal record book see i'm going to spin that and i'm going to say if it has that's a positive. That's going to rally them and give them the extra motivation of like, we got to guys look at what we're going through. We got to come together. We got to rally behind. That's going to give them that extra emotional push that we see. And there's the story. So I'm going to take what you just said. I'm going to spin it because we're a fan. We're a fan levitard of bleb. I'm spinning that. And I'm saying if they face difficulty because of this hurricane friends, book it, get out your DraftKings app, Place your bets if you're not in California and you're in a state that you can. You heard Ty. You heard me. Get in on the Raging Cajuns, which, by the way, is one of the best sci-fi original movies that I have seen. I believe it was like Redneck Raging Cajun Gators. A very well-told story. Okay, hold up. We got we got to hit pause. There there was direction to this. We were going to get very sportsy. And you mentioning sci-fi movies has just veered us off because Nathan, I don't know if you know this. I don't even think my audience knows this. You have just struck a nerve with me because 
bad sci-fi movies have a very, very sentimental place in my heart. When my now wife and I started dating, some of our first dates were her coming over and us watching bad sci-fi movies. And I don't mean bad sci-fi movies in the sense of like a studio got together and they just made a bad movie that has a sci-fi theme. I am talking about the sci-fi original movies that air on the sci-fi network. There are some legitimate gems on there that are, I would say, I would say funnier than probably half the comedies made by like major studios I've seen. And I don't know if they're intentionally funny but I think they realize that they're like low budget enough that they're so bad they've ascended to being good. And a recommendation for everyone out there. There is a film, it's my favorite of all of these bad sci-fi movies. It's called Dino Croc versus Super Gator. And <laughs> it, it, it listen, if you thought Kong versus Godzilla was epic, you have seen nothing. But there is a particular scene where there is a Hawaiian tour going through because here's the secret with all these movies. They all take place on Hawaii. I don't know what it is. It seems counterproductive, but every single one of these movies is on a fucking island. It's at the same studio at the same mountain range. There was a time where I noticed the exact same mountain range in the background of two movies that they showed back to back separate films all together. And I was like, oh, man, like. I, sci-fi owns like a small chunk of Hawaii that they used to film all these bad movies. But there is a, there's a tour group coming through taking photos of like this hotel for some reason. And off screen, Dino Croc, which is basically just, think of it just like if you're in Photoshop, take a picture of a crocodile and just scale it up. That's it. It's not particularly... <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, menacing beyond just like what a crocodile is, but it's just a big crocodile. And out of nowhere, this thing just comes out in belly flops and crushes the shit out of this tour bus that they're sitting on. And it is one of the funniest moments in cinema that I have ever seen. So please, please do yourselves a favor. Watch Dino Croc versus Super Gator. You can probably find it on Sci-Fi or Google it or, or something like that. But Nathan, you mentioning bad sci-fi movies... Are you a fan of bad sci-fi movies in general? And if so, please tell me which ones, because I am so ready to have this conversation. I am absolutely a fan. I mean, you talk about second viewing experiences on a Saturday. Sci-fi originals, sadly, you know, they don't do it as they much as they used to. But it used to be like nine o'clock in the summer every saturday a new sci-fi original and you mentioned your you and your wife uh watching bad sci-fi movies me and my wife did that as well too while we were dating one of the movies we watched ice spiders and you want to talk about have you seen that yep yep that's a good one classic it is a good one you talk about repeated locations or themes i feel like the ski park or the snowy mountain range is another uh, repeated theme. Ice Spiders is one that I've seen. I think the one that has stuck with me the most, I don't know if I can remember its name or get it right, but I'm pretty sure it's called Abominable. Uh, and the the plot of it is a college football team is flying to Japan to play a bowl game and they fly over the Himalayas, crash into the uh, Himalayas and they are hunted by the Abominable Snowman. Oh, hell yeah. And the best part of this, and this, you want to talk about hilarious, 
is it opens up with like the backup quarterback talking to the coach and the coach telling him like, Hey, I'm, you're not going to start. And he's like, why? Cause you don't have enough heart. And throughout the rest of the movie, they follow this backup quarterback who just goes through hell in this movie where he like, uh, breaks both of his legs while in like this cave and then manages to, I think he splints his legs with like the arms of his dead companions to get out of a cave. And he crawls all the way back to the airplane where his friends have crash landed to push open the suitcases only to have his friends think that he's the abominable snowman and shoot him in the face with a flare gun. So those are, I mean, those are things that you can only find in some sci-fi original movies. So we actually, that actually reminds me of one that we watched uh, this past weekend, or it may have been earlier in this week. And I can't remember what its exact name was. It may have been something like avalanche sharks or something like that. But the premise is literally just again, probably at the same ski resort that you're talking about with this one, the same snow covered mountain, but there are just sharks swimming through the snow and just doing shark shit, which is in the snow. <laughs> None of these movies make any sense, but my God, if you can suspend disbelief for two hours, which that's that's the thing about these movies, they go on way too long. Like as fun as they are, they have maybe like, 60 entertaining minutes of it where it's just like twists and turns oh my god why is conan o'brien randomly in this movie and then (laughs) Mm -hmm. by like minute 90 you're kind of like jesus this is this is really stretching itself thin like these budgets on these movies cannot be big just going off of like the cgi that they use for whatever monster they put in there so I don't know why they decide that they need a two-hour runtime on these. It really feels like a made-for-TV movie should get in and out in like an hour and a half tops. Oh yeah, especially if you're if you would watch them live with like the commercial breaks, there would definitely be several movies where you know you look at your watch and you know the movie's ending at ten and they're going to commercial at like nine forty-eight and you know they're coming back with like only eight or six minutes left and they haven't even given you like how they're going to defeat the main creature like in one of these movies there was like a flame creature that they defeated by exploding it which makes no sense like how is a flame creature stopped by more flame wouldn't that just make it bigger but you know those are things you got to accept and go along for the ride and just laugh at uh and enjoy nathan you and never heard definitely... the expression fight fire with fire you know what? That's where that came from. I'm pretty sure that was a sci-fi original right there. I think that was the writing pitch, right? His 30-second pitch in the elevator, he's probably like, this is fighting fire with fire, the movie. And, you know, there's a fire monster that's destroyed by fire and sold. Have you seen the uh, the episode of South Park where they're making fun of Family Guy and they have, like, the manatees going back and forth in the tanks, just like, noun, verb, boom there's there's a family guy joke i feel like you can do that but with sci-fi movies but instead of like nouns and verbs it's just like all right animal adjective uh weather experience or something like that and then you just end up with like arachno quake an actual title right there arachno quake that sounds like such a good movie dude ghost shark 
right? Oh, Ghost Shark like, is a good one. Ghost Shark is well, we spooky, man. It is spooky season now, so watch Ghost Shark. I believe one other one, Zombie Tidal Wave. Oh, man. Right? You're just taking, like, horror thing, weather event, animal, right? A mismatch of that, of uh, what... They I mean, had Shark, like Sharknado put all of these on the map. Like Shark, they made mm-hmm. what, like five, six of those. I think, yeah, I think they got up to like four or five. Like Shark, I remember when Sharknado was a thing, and for a brief moment in time, the zeitgeist was around sci-fi original movies, and it was a wild time to be alive. And the one thing beyond all else that really staggered me with Sharknado was I remember seeing Tara Reid and I was like, man, she's way worse of an actress than I remember her being when I was growing up in some of these movies. Like she is terrible, at least in those movies. But like, my oh, yeah, God, it was me, bad. terrible, terrible in a great way, though, like where every line she's delivering, you're like, is she even bothering to like act? Um, for me, I actually, I enjoy, like, she's really buying into the campy aspect of it, which is, that's where sci-fi, I think they became more popular because they made that decision because they've been doing originals for a long time. Actually, even a couple years before that, uh, if you were in on the sci-fi original thing, I remember they had one that they created that seemed like it was kind of one where they were actually genuinely trying to make like a decent, uh, movie with buzz because, it had John Malkovich, Ron Perlman, uh, if you know, like Ron Perlman's like Hell Boy or whatever yeah. uh, that was. And uh, a couple other guys, Dog Soldiers is not a sci-fi original, but kind of like a cult, uh, like bad sci-fi movie. It had one of the like, main characters from Dog Soldiers, and it was called Mutant Chronicles. And it was like one of their genuine attempts, I think, to try to make good movies. They did have a phase where it seemed like they tried to take their original sci-fi movie concept and do something that could maybe get buzzed by actually being good, but it just produced kind of like these meh movies. And I think Sharknado is when they realize, like, no, we just got to dive in like full bore into the, as you said, let's mismatch our different uh, movies together, shark tornado, and let's make it happen. Like I gotta, I gotta wonder like, if you're a cinematographer, if you paid to go to film school, you 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 accumulated debt to get educated, and where you wound up in your career was on some derelict part of Hawaii shooting Dino Croc versus Super Gator, which no disrespect to that movie, it's phenomenal. Have you made it? If you if you direct a sci-fi original movie, are you a success in the film world? Absolutely. I would say so. Like in terms of just even the people that made it like that far, they may not feel it. Right. But they're kind of like the people who uh, were like, I was, I got a minor league contract, you know, which is still something that a lot of people like don't get. So now actually now maybe I might even spin this and talk, talk myself out of and say, no, they're like those people that get a minor league contract and they never made it to the big leagues. But I think it all depends on like perspective. And I'm I'm gonna go positive with this one and spin it to say, yes, they have made it. They've done something that, you know, they set out to do. And, you know, they have an audience of people like me and you that 
maybe it's not exactly what they intended, but we still find ways to appreciate their work. I I think I'm inclined to agree. I think if you are able to say that you directed anything that made it to TV, I would say that's a success. Like, maybe it wasn't good. As the director, you can probably acknowledge, like, you know what? This ain't a great piece. I'm not making Citizen Kane out here, all right? I'm not making Slumdog Millionaire. I'm not making Million Dollar Baby. But for what it is, I think if you can really lean into that B-movie, I guess, um, aesthetic, I think, yeah, in like a weird way, I think you can say that you made it. And I'm actually that actually has me thinking, like, I wonder if there is a like i know you obviously have like the oscars for best film you have the razzies for worst film but i wonder if there's an award show for like best intentionally low budget bad movies you know like what 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 would that look like like because i feel like it would be all sci-fi movies probably right or like some award that starts with a B also to indicate B movie. Yeah. What's a what's a B person name who, you know, is Brad someone that you don't expect to the Brads? Or is that does Brad Pitt make you already assume too much positivity with Brads? What if it what if the trophy itself is just called a baddie? Like instead of an a Emmy, baddie. you have a baddie. Hmm. It does it does have the benefit of rhyming with Emmy. You have a baddie. Hmm. Five-time baddie award-winning director, M. Night Shyamalan. I just just can't associate. So there's something about baddie that I just can't associate that with film. What about, uh, what about, all right, then let's, let's get away from, uh, baddie. What about bougie? (laughs) The bougies. The bougies. I've always associated something being bougie with like, upscale yeah it, it doesn't am I, work am at i all. off on that i was going for a bad and bougie reference and oh bad okay I see it made absolutely no now. sense in that context i should walk into the ocean myself valiant effort but yes an ocean walk might be deserved yeah best i can do is like chesapeake bay that's that's the closest body of water i got um but i don't know like i i feel like i feel like that type of award show if hosted by sci-fi like like espn does the espies like that's basically espn promoting all their stuff because it's just sports shit that they show so i think the sci-fi network should have their own award show for their movies i think obviously one of the awards would be like best movie title right with what we just listed off you know that would definitely be a category right Ghost Shark is going to take that home the year it's around or zombie tidal wave. Those are definitely contenders for best title for a B movie. What was the one you said? Arachnoquake or something like that? Arachnoquake. That's, dude, that's so good. Like, (laughs) just hearing that actually brings a smile to my face because it just sounds so ridiculous, but I would absolutely waste two hours watching that shit. 100%. Mm -hmm. Yeah, could be a sequel to Volcano with uh, Tommy Lee Jones, except this time there's spiders. 
That reminds growing up there was a movie called Eight Legged Freaks. Do you remember that film? With uh, I think they had David Arquette. Does it? Hold on, I'm Googling this. If that actually had David Arquette in it, I'm going to be pretty, incredibly Pretty sure it had gross. David Arquette. Let's see. Oh my god, that did have Hold up, hold hold the phone. Hold the phone. David Arquette is not the lead in that movie. Really? Scarlett Johansson is in that. What? Scarlett Johansson was in Eight-Legged Freaks. Now stop and think. She went on to become what? The Black Widow. Oh my god. How did we not see it coming? And now she's going to take down Disney with uh, her lawsuit. Hold on. Is this is this the guy that played Patches O'Houlihan in Dodgeball 2? I'm like a dog with a bone on this. Hold rip, on. Rip Torn? Is that who is? Am I thinking of the right guy? Uh, I think I've just got the wrong guy. I'm, I'm just looking at another old white guy who looks like he could have been hunched over in a wheelchair. His name is Leon Rippey, for the record, and he is best known for Eight-Legged Freaks and Stargate and The Patriot. So don't think it's him. But for a moment, uh, I was wrong. Never mind. Mm, close. You had You had the rip that was in there. I'm still stunned that Scarlett Johansson was in Eight-Legged Freaks. That is wild to me. We all got to start somewhere, right? That, remi- that reminds me. Um, fun fact. Um, back in, I guess it was, that would have been about 20, 2011, I guess, late 2011, early 2012, right after my wife and I started dating, um, we were watching one of these bad sci-fi movies, but it was on Netflix and it wasn't like a sci-fi network movie. It was just like a bad sci-fi movie. That's going to get really confusing between like the network and the genre. And it was called rotten or, uh, let's see. Ah, oh, God, hold on. I want to make sure I get this right because <laughs> it is, uh, it is wild. start by thinking about the animal mashup. Here we go. Got it. So, it is a sci-fi film called Return of the Killer Tomatoes. And the premise of this movie is uh, tomato aliens come from outer space and they try to kill people. I was so surprised when I looked this movie up and realized, my God, that is a young George Clooney starring in Return of the Killer Tomatoes in 1988. <laughs> Wow, I did that. I think I saw that. I saw that a long uh, time ago. I I can't remember too much, but yeah, I did not clock a young George Clooney in my viewing of that movie. And let me tell you, from what I remember, acted his ass off in that movie. Shout out to <laughs> Cinephobe. Absolutely. Uh, I know. I was surprised. In have you ever heard of uh, Mystery Science Theater three thousand? I have heard of it, but I have never seen it. And I feel like that is something that I should have seen. Kind of like a Rocky Horror picture. I've never seen that either. I feel like those are two things that I probably should have seen, but continue. So they're, I mean, they're kind of, I think they even mentioned it on Cinephobe a few weeks ago of like, they were, you know, just watching like really bad old sci-fi movies. And one of them that they watched had a young Clint Eastwood uh, was in it just for one scene as a lab rat tech. Interesting. And 
I'm going to say his ass was fully on. Fully on, really? Was it? Maybe was I it, need to rewatch though to really break it down. Was it more or less on than when he was uh, at the RNC and talking to the empty chair? Hmm. More. It was more. It was more on. More on. Wow, that's bad, man. Because him talking to that chair, I was like, oh, this is sad. This is a man going see now right before our very eyes on national <laughs> TV. You hate to see it. Yeah, I mean, you just wish, uh, just walk away after Gran Torino. That was that was a good one, but he's he's still going for his old uh, crotchety hero movies. I haven't seen any of the last couple ones, but uh, I thought Gran Torino was going to be like, Clint Eastwood being like, peace out, but he he's still still making them i remember still in the game i remember i really really liked grain torino growing up and my recollection of that is probably different than how i would view it now in the year 2021 because i have a hunch that that movie probably doesn't hold up where like the whole the whole premise of the movie can essentially be broken down to yeah not all not all Asians are bad there are some good ones like he like he's doing the the Donald Trump thing like basically Clint Eastwood doing like that they're not sending their best but some I assume are good people and the one happens to be the neighbor kid who he who he befriends but like I suspect going back and watching that movie probably not great or even you know spin it flip it the other way Clint Eastwood. Some racists have a heart of gold. I he ends up being the hero. <laughs> Nathan, I am I am fully willing to let you go out on that ledge and take that stance in 2021. The races with a heart of gold. You, you know what, man? You can take that take. That is my that is my gift to you on your first episode. You you can firmly plant your flag in the area of Clint Eastwood, the racist who has a heart of gold. I think that was one of the taglines to the movie. <laughs> oh god. We got off the rails. That that conversation started um 30 minutes ago about college football and we wound up on Clint Eastwood the racist with a heart of gold. And this is the type of stuff, ladies and gentlemen, that we're going to be working on here at the FLEB. It's these types of hard-hitting conversations that you can expect more of in the coming days and weeks and months and, God, maybe even years at this point. Who knows? But when we are sitting at the top of the podcasting empire on our golden thrones... It's going to be conversations like this that we can point back to and say, that's where it all began, Nate. Am I allowed to call exactly. you Nate? Exactly. Yeah, Nate's good. Nate? Mm-hmm. What, what, I, Because like, I kind of like what they did with uh, Jessica. They call her Smetty. I kind of want to call you Minnie. Minnie? Eh, I, could, I could roll with that. Minnie. I don't know. It's your name. I figure I'll let you, I'll let you decide what, what persona you want to be. I don't want to be overbearing uh i'm i'm all in on uh nicknames i've had several uh nicknames over the year so such as um 
the first nickname I ever had was Daddy Long Legs when I was a little kid because I'm tall. And Nate Dog has been a common one. And that evolved into Nate Diggity. And there was a short phase where uh, I was more fashionable. I was Nathan Digitoris, oh kind God. of the full, full fleshed out dinosaur name added on to that. Um, yeah. And then just, you know, the regular ones, Nate, and with my last name, Minima, uh, Mini Me has been a nickname, right? I haven't had Mini as one, so that would be a new one, but I've had yeah, several nicknames. And then I am a teacher and, you know, my students, they all come up with got Mr. M and a lot of them just Mr. M and M Mr. Yeah. MMM three M's. I don't know where these kids come up with these things. I think, you know, I'm going to go in the opposite direction of this. I was going to say, Nate, we should let you decide but I think we should throw this out to the people. We should let Twitter decide what you go by on the show. Let's get Put some, it on the poll. Let's work some engagement out there. Um, speaking of Twitter.com, the hell site that we all know and love, uh, if the people aren't familiar with your name, I think it might be better to let them know that you are a man with many Twitter accounts and that you have been not dissimilar from like the advent of the early internet days where people were just buying up websites, convincing themselves that they would be worth a ton of money. You have done the same with the Levitard and show uh, side characters that they have introduced. You've got what? 20 Twitter accounts dedicated to, to Levitard characters. Not quite 20, but um, I do, uh, over the summer, I did go a little crazy. And during the uh, more pandemic stay at home time with more free time, I did start to rack up a prodigious list of burner accounts. So you may know me as Jeffrey Eves Point. Um, that was me. And that was probably the one that I spent like the most time um, orchestrating um, and crafting, although I haven't, I haven't done much, uh, after, uh, that last couple months, uh, probably the Twitter handle that I'll go by, uh, and still use like the most, like moving forward is, uh, one opportunity, one of those word mashes from, uh, missed opportunity, kind of trying to talk about what are missed opportunities from the Levitard show. Um, yeah, but I also, I was Justin or Keith Bamberger from, that I did, I was Leonard. Uh, I created a fake, peace. fake website, Patriots Under the Eagle, I think it was. Um, so, and a few others that are out there. So, if there are those who are within the Levitard universe, they may be putting the dots together. Because toward the end of my run, I would start just commenting and then I would just pull out all my other burner accounts and comment and like on the first comment and just kind of have a spiral. Oh, so you're, you're giving yourself a Twitter boost then that's clever. That's a heady <laughs> play by you. I mean, when you get up that high, I mean, you might as well start boosting your posts. Literally hundreds of followers. The people need to see that content. Yeah. I'm, they're just, 
I'm going to, I'm going to rise to the top now that everyone knows how many accounts I was behind. <laughs> Listen, the numbers aren't inflated. If after you retweeted yourself five or six times, other people started doing it, then that's practically a legitimate viral tweet in itself, right? Like that's not cheating. I wouldn't say so. I'm no, also no, definitely not. I'm also very uh, Stugatzian in that what I consider cheating is probably not the traditional definition of cheating. Um, and I say that not because I cheated in school. No, no, no. I would never. <laughs> um, but yeah, no, that's 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 good for the people to know. Everyone out there, fan Levitardians, go engage with Nathan on Twitter.com. Let's figure out what to uh, what to call him on this silly little show that we've got cooking up here on the Fleb. Nathan, given that this is your first show, I would like to give you the opportunity to say some parting words to the people as we wrap up this first episode. What do you want people to take away from your introduction? Coastal Carolina, Chanticleers 38, the Citadel Bulldogs 0. Dark Horse, here we come, baby. The chance. <laughs>